What this gift does do is it gives us material for creating a new narrative in the Middle East. That's a clip featuring Canadian Rabbi Yehuda Sarna speaking in a new documentary called Amen, Amen, Amen. It tells the story of how the small but growing Jewish community in the United Arab Emirates donated a Torah scroll to the crown prince who leads the country. Sarna explains how it was also the first time a Muslim leader has ever received a gift of a Torah from the Jews, and the gesture symbolizes the warming of relations between the Jewish and Arab world after the Abraham Accords were signed in 2020 between Israel and the Gulf Oil State. So why is he in the film? Because the former Montrealer who attended Hebrew Academy is also the chief rabbi of the Jewish community in the UAE. It's a volunteer position he's held for nearly three years now and is a natural progression of his involvement with the UAE's Jews that dates back over a decade when he began traveling there as part of his job with New York University to help NYU open a campus in Abu Dhabi. Sarna isn't a pulpit rabbi in the UAE. Instead, his role is more like an ambassador or a diplomat, building bridges with the Arab leaders and overseeing the booming interest in everything Jewish that's now going on in that country. And he's consulting on the construction of the Emirates' massive Abrahamic family house project, which is set to open in the fall. The project will see a mosque and church and synagogue built on the same site as a beacon of understanding and tolerance between the three major Abrahamic religions. And by the way, the water in the synagogue's mikvah could even be sourced from Canadian glaciers. It's such a bold statement of the interrelationship between three world religions. You know, these are their three separate buildings, but they are interconnected by these gardens. So it's a a very powerful emblem for spirit of uh, inclusiveness, interconnectedness, which frankly I think is exactly what the world needs. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, January the 12th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Rabbi Yehuda Sarna was supposed to be spending the month of January in the UAE, but the visit was called off because of the Omicron outbreak. He normally goes four times a year, and his wife and some of his six children sometimes come with. There's a lot to do there and a lot going on as the UAE Jewish community flourishes. They've just opened a cultural center in Dubai. It's called Abraham's Miracles Center for Learning. And in the fall, the first new synagogue building in the entire region is set to open. Coming up, Rabbi Sarna will be here to explain why so many Western Jews, including Canadians and also Israelis, are finding a welcoming community in the unlikely Muslim country. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Yafa Tegenye in Montreal, Canada, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. A small group of Ottawa Jews are delivering kosher chicken soup for free to needy people, especially people who are sick with COVID right now. 
The idea comes from Aviva Rotenberg and Adina Kravitz and their husbands, Rabbi Dave Rotenberg of NCSY Ottawa and Rabbi Aryeh Kravitz of Beit Tikva Congregation in Nepean. So far, they've done 30 calls. Their efforts caught the attention of CBC TV News in Ottawa, who did a profile of them recently, as they shared some love and traditional Jewish medicine. If you want to sign up, just text 613-796-4733 and tell them your contact details. And by the way, they also deliver vegetable soup, too. Rabbi Yehuda Sarna got to light the first candle of the menorah at the Canadian Embassy's Hanukkah bash in Dubai a couple of weeks ago. We covered that story in our recent interview with the Canadian ambassador, also a Montrealer, Marcy Grossman. And I spoke with Sarna just after he'd returned home to New York City. You got to light the first, it was like a bar mitzvah. And coming up for the first candle was Rabbi Sarna. Describe what it was like and what did, what was what was the feeling there? Um, look, what you had there was all different elements of the Jewish community who turned up and a good number of Emirati friends. There were shlichim from the, from the Jewish agency who, um, who are stationed now in, in Dubai who organized uh, kids programs. Uh, I mean, it was just celebratory. It, you know, for me, Hanukkah in the UAE always takes me back to, uh, to one of the first encounters I had with Jews in Dubai, which was right before Hanukkah. And I, I was invited to give a, a little class, a short shiur. I remember showing up to the home of the Creel family who was hosting this event, about 20 people, literally each one, Ellen, from a different country. And I had prepared a source sheet going to teach about where the Chanukiah, where should the menorah be placed in the home? The original institution, was it for it to be at the door to maximize the number of people who would see the Chanukah light? Uh, but subsequently, over the course of generations, anytime there was a decree that Jews could not practice openly, the practice became for Jews to put the Hanukkah on their on their kitchen table. So to come kind of full circle and see a huge Hanukkah uh, at a world expo, literally for the world to see, I mean, what greater Pirsumenisa, what greater spreading of the miracle than that? I saw an article that said there was some you know, thousands of people celebrated Hanukkah this year in the UAE. But how big actually is the Jewish community between people who are living there and people who are guests, the, the ones that are coming in for this? You know, the best way to describe the community is as the largest small community, Jewish community in the world. OK, I, I say that because even though the, the number of Jewish residents is certainly increasing, probably doubled since last since last since before the Abraham Accords from about 1,000 to about 2,000 now, um, but also welcoming um, close to 200,000 uh, Israeli tourists, Jewish tourists from other parts of the world. And when I say tourists, some of those are people who are coming just once, maybe it'll be the only time they visit, but there are a good number of people who are, you know, do business there regularly or uh, who have family there, you know, people who are coming sometimes even multiple times per year. I think a lot of people are surprised at the huge amount of interest that Jewish people have in going now to this this area. So, you know, how do you explain it? Look, from the Israeli side, this was a huge boom, right? Uh, peace with an Arab country. Not just peace, but uh, a warm peace. Not just a warm peace, but but uh, a, a kind of uh, unlocking of possibilities with other Arab countries, you know, a milestone piece with this, with the UAE signing the accords, you know, from the UAE, it's a really different um, 
it it's a comes from a different place. UAE really sees itself, like I was telling you before, as a as a place that's open to two hundred. There are two hundred different nations that have expats who live in the UAE. You know, it it kind of its identity is so much about being integrated into into the global economy, integrated into global culture. The key word was normalized, and any Emirati, uh, you know, person in the any member of the foreign ministry will say the same thing. They'll say that uh, it's not this agreement does not mean that it agrees with everything that Israel does. Just like the Emiratis don't agree with many things that many countries do, and just like many countries don't agree with everything that the Emiratis do. But what it was is a normal relationship where Israel is another country that the UAE has relations with. It's been said by some Jewish people that um, they feel actually safer. And I think your wife even wrote about this. That you slept, you know, at Trogs and Lulavs through the airport, like nothing together. happened. No one threw stones or, you know, did any, any, there was no issues. It's a very safe country. Um, during this past May, when in every country where Jews live virtually, including Canada, including the United States, Right here in New York City, a mile away from where, less than a mile away from where I'm sitting right now, uh, Jews were being attacked online. Jewish people were being harassed uh, because of the conflict. In the UAE, Jews felt safe. There, there were no anti-Semitic incidents, no restaurant, you know, uh, restaurants being vandalized. Or um, so it's just it's a very it's a very safe country. I want to talk about the synagogue life there. Uh, if you uh, can describe, is it like what normative Ashkenazi synagogues look like, or is there anything particular about the JCC there? Yeah, I mean, there's, I'd say at this point, there's not much normative. There's no, you know, permanent synagogue building, building that's functioning. The only one that is on that, really on that trajectory is the Abrahamic family house that's being built. It's a government project that's being built in Abu Dhabi, it will be the first purpose-built synagogue, you know, to be built in the whole area and along the whole region in a long time. Besides for that, the, the direction that we've been given from the local authorities has, has been to, to pray in, in hotels. And, and each, you know, each one is led slightly differently, but I would say the thing that's, so one is Chabad, one is this, but the the common denominator actually across all of them is that they all do have a fusion between Ashkenaz and Sephardic traditions. So it's really interesting. The JCC I mean, is a physical yeah. is a theoretical thing as opposed to a real thing, a real building with a gym and a schmooze and a fitness. You know, uh, there's no right, there's no Jewish fitness center, but just um, in, in January there is going to be a a Jewish cultural center that opens, which is probably closest to. What you're what you're describing, you know, for me, what what the why was for me growing up, but just not not with the fitness dimensions, just the the cultural center, um, and there's some really exciting stuff, exciting stuff that's being planned. We're planning a Jewish Arab film festival, planning a Limud conference, uh, Jewish book fair. So there, there's a lot uh, speaker series. There's a lot of amazing stuff that's uh, that that will be in 2022. Can you talk a bit about the um, Abrahamic family project? I know that the Pope was involved. I know it's 
being constructed. I saw pictures of it. It's incredibly, stunningly beautiful architecture. But you said it's government run. So will the Jewish community have any say in what services is it going to be? Are you moving in there or is this like a show museum more? It's a really good question. I mean, I've been involved up until this point, working with the architects and the designers and the, the synagogue complex is going to have not just a, a large sanctuary, but also a smaller chapel or a baby drosh and, um, and a mikvah. And so it kind of, that's been my focus so far when it comes to operationally, how it runs that we don't know yet. I think that there's still a lot of work that has to be done on that front. And so we'll see. But I think the idea is for each of the houses of worship to be living, breathing, you know, not just showpieces, but for them actually to be uh, to be a locus of, of community gathering. Last thing about the um, the uh, documentary, Amen, Amen, Amen. Um, you had an, a role in that. Where is that Torah now? Is that going to be in the Abrahamic House Synagogue? Or? Well, the Torah is a gift to His Highness, the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi. So it, it goes wherever His Highness says, go, go. You know, it's a gift to him. The, the condition was that, uh, that the Torah would also be in use by the Jewish community for the, uh, for the high holidays. And so uh, already for, we've done that twice already. So um, that seems to be working. And the ultimate resting place, we don't, we don't know exactly, but it will continue to be a Torah that's used and a Torah that tells a very powerful story. I mean, for someone who, who is in the position, such as uh, the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, to um, accept a, a gift like that, you know, for a Jewish community to offer a gift like that, you know, first Torah ever gifted to an, an Arab ruler, dedicated to an Arab ruler, it's it's beyond powerful. I mean, you see the footage from within the palace of the ceremony of His Highness approaching the Torah, asking questions to the, the scribe, Rabbi Abadi, serving as, you know, filling out the last letters. Um, really powerful. I got to tell you, you know, being being in the room, there were a few times when his highness actually teared up. I mean, it was, it was a very, very powerful, emotional ceremony. And uh, it was pre-Abraham Accords. That's why it's always, it's hard for people to remember. This was not like a, a political moment. This was a civilizational moment. Uh, uh, spiritual moment really um the idea that uh that the that there was that kind of level of trust from the jewish community to his highness um and that there was that feeling of family reunion that's the that's the only way i can describe it you know it's like that's why it was emotional so i don't know ellen i'm getting a little bit emotional just thinking about it right now but it was a powerful moment. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Arlen Reinstein of Thornhill, Ontario. His late father was a Holocaust survivor and correctly predicted 
that Canada's Nazi war criminal Helmut Oberlander, who we reported on when he died this summer, would live longer than him. And we'll end the episode by introducing you to Rabbi Arya Kravitz. He's one of the Ottawa organizers behind the Ottawa Kosher Soup Registry we told you about earlier. Here's the sound, courtesy of CBC News. People are sending soup to one another. It's not just something that a person sends for themselves. They don't just have to activate the registry if they're not feeling well, if they know somebody. So it might even be a surprise at somebody's door who's not feeling well that all of a sudden there's a knock or door, the doorbell rings and there you have a soup that you could heat up and enjoy. 